Dear friends in Christ, one day there was a financial planner who was preparing to meet a new client. And as he looked over the client's paperwork, he became very concerned. And so the client came in and the financial planner said, well, I've been reviewing your paperwork and I have to tell you, if I were you, I'd be worried. Why do you say that, the client said. Well, on the one hand, you don't have any debt, so that's good. But on the other hand, you don't have any savings. You don't have any stocks or bonds. You have no equity because you move around all the time. You don't really seem to have any regular source of income. And according to your Social Security statement, you won't be receiving much when you retire. You don't even have an IRA or a 401k. You're getting older. Does any of this concern you? Actually, no, the client said. I feel fine. I feel pretty content. Well, the financial planner was very surprised at how calm his client was about his finances. And he says, you hardly have a dime to your name, and you don't seem to be worried at all. Well, if he was living today, that client would obviously be St. Paul. He's the one who says in our text today, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. The Apostle Paul, by our standards, you know, he was not a well-off man. He was unprepared for retirement. He didn't even own a whole lot. And yet, he was content. He was more relaxed and more at ease than people are even today with their financial situations. It's always good to know the, the context of what a person says and not just look at one statement or one verse alone, as we see in the Bible here. Paul could be the one who would say, I can really see the big picture. I know what's taking place. And you can see here that Paul doesn't hesitate to even commend the Christians at Philippi in our reading about their lives in Christ. In verses 14 through 16, he says, Yet it was good of me, I'm sorry, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now, if you remember the opening words of Paul's letter to the Philippians about seven weeks ago, you know, what did he say there? Well, he says to those same Philippians, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul had looked at their past dealings and their faithfulness, and he feels a connection with them that comes only from you know, someone who cares about you and about your situation. They had helped him with his ongoing travels, and now they are also helping him while he's in prison. Have you ever noticed that you know, we tend to expect folks to act or behave the way that they did in the past? Well, Paul is doing the same thing here. Paul has received help for what was necessary to meet his physical needs. You know, he's not asking for a fancy racehorse or you know, some exotic chariot to go around in. In verse 16, he had used the phrase, when I was in need. 
And he would have had expenses when he had traveled during his years in ministry. He would have had needs in relocating to a new place. I can only imagine myself trying to travel from place to place like Paul did. It would really be difficult. He had physical needs that were met by those Philippians and their generosity. And he also had a need that was met by God. To be content, no matter what the circumstance was. Like in verses 11 and 12, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, and I know what it means to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So there is more to the gift than we see. You know, he goes on to explain, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Sometimes we can see the good of what our giving does toward the physical needs that we're able to accomplish. Like when we support local agencies like Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, as they work with those who are in need in the community. Or, as Pastor Strand had mentioned, about how we even give those gift cards so that people can have Thanksgiving meals this year. Maybe it's through the efforts of Feed My Starving Children, as we try to provide meals for children in third world countries. Most of the time, however, we never see the end results of the ministries that we support. But that does not make us stop supporting those ministries. Paul is making the Philippians aware that all of his needs are being met. But there is more to the gifts that they have sent. Now, we know that we exist in a physical realm, a physical world. I'm standing before you as I preach in a real pulpit. And we know that there are times, too, like when we had that pandemic lockdown. And even for people, a number of people today, you know, this sermon and this service at our 930 and 11 worship services, you know, it's going to be broadcast to people who are watching on TVs or on portable devices. And it's by a means that you don't see as far as how that all happens. There's technology and there's people working behind the scenes so that can happen. So we can't always see what we are experiencing. Well, as Christians, we know that we exist in the physical realm and we also have contact with the spiritual realm. And that's where the angels, God's angels, and also the the demons are doing their work. That's where there's a great cloud of witnesses, as the writer to the Hebrews describes in chapter 12. And there's a specific reason why Paul, I'm sorry, why that writer, excuse me, ends up saying these two words, therefore, since. You know, the writer is pointing back to what he had written before. And what did he write? Well, there was chapter 11, that great by faith chapter, which names a number of people who are in the spiritual realm. They're unseen by us. 
but yet we know that their souls are alive in Christ, in heaven. What happens in that spiritual realm? It affects us here in our physical realm. And what we do in the physical world affects also the spiritual realm. There is more to our actions and words than what we can see in this world. Let's move to another verse that also requires some context. And that's verse 19, where Paul says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You remember what Paul had said in verse 13? He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, here in verse 13, Paul is speaking about himself. In verse 19, he points to his Philippian Christian friends. He definitely knows their situation. And he speaks about what they are and are not able to do in support of the gospel ministry. Giving is never a, a touchy subject when the right conditions exist. You know, people, when they give, they give when their hearts are touched, Lord willing. You know, one pastor's friend, he managed to put a few dollars away each month for really the purpose of finding God's needy spot. And he would pray about this money that God would then direct him to that particular need. Here's a heart that's touched with compassion and enthusiasm for the gospel. And the pastor, he could really tell that that person gave out of joy. When your heart's touched with compassion for the needs of people, you joyfully give. People give sacrificially when their heart is focused on God. And there's a difference between the joy in a gift and giving sacrificial gifts. Paul's pride and joy, the Philippians, they were examples of sacrificial giving. Their giving was exemplary because they were giving really from their rock-bottom poverty in which they lived. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he includes the church at Philippi who were in that region when he describes them saying, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy in their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. God will always meet the needs of his churches and of each of his children who remain good stewards of all that he's entrusted to them. The Philippian church here, they can really teach us some valuable lessons in being good stewards of all that God has given us. Grace, God's grace makes you a joyful giver. But giving, it can also be a touchy subject, right? You know, for those who have not gotten the idea of what it is to have joy to give. You know, there was one church that held a Sunday service and they wanted to pattern it after the colonial days of our early America. And everything they did was according to the old ways. The pastor dressed in a long coat and in knickers and uh, also the congregation, they were divided by gender. The gentlemen sat on one side of the church and the ladies sat on the other. And at the time of the offering, the pastor announced that in keeping with the theme, they were going to do it the old way. And he asked, would the head of the household please come forward and place their gift on the altar? 
And all the men instantly rose, and they crossed the aisle to get the money from their wives. Even beyond the area of giving, what are the kind of circumstances that you face in life? Are you, like Paul and the Philippians, content and joyful over the impact that Christ is making in areas of your life and your part of the world? Or are you groaning and griping every day because of the circumstances you're going through? Having faith in Jesus and what he did for you through his death and resurrection, we know that that reassures each of us of what God's love is and what it's all about. Grace makes us grow joyfully. It's by God's grace that we are connected to one another as one family in Christ. And as this year our school theme is, we are one. We are always one in Christ. Paul concludes his letter to the, Ephesians, to the Philippians with these words. Greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the only specific reference to Caesar that's outside of the Gospels and the book of Acts. Now Nero, he's the current reigning emperor who has that title of Caesar. And Paul took special care to include those of Caesar's household here. Now he may have been intentionally vague at this point because Paul often says, you know, greet people and he says their names. And he may not have wanted to reveal the particular servants of Caesar who had converted to Christianity. They became believers in Christ. However, Paul wants to clearly encourage the Philippian believers that their investment in his ministry, that's it, it's reaching out even to Rome. Even those who served among the emperor's household, they had come to faith in Christ. That's how powerful that gospel is. We are God's people. We are people of faith. And we live our faith in trust and commitment. Even as Paul and the Philippians did, you know, we witness to the faith that we have so that others can see in what and who we trust and have faith in. Why? Because our God is a gracious God. He's the one who's blessed us in ways that he only can do. And only he can take our lives, as we sang, and let them be to his glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.